Um, again, welcome to Redeemer. My name is Pastor Matt. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Redeemer. And uh, Evan is wonderful, you know, aside from the, the beautiful... I, I know preachers get up here and, like, knock on commercialism all the time, but, I mean, like, if you go to Shields, it's just great this time of year. Like, you know, there's, like, candy canes and everyone's really festive. There's lights, there's lights everywhere. Um, all of this season, for me, oftentimes feels like you, you kind of go through the month of December. For children, it may seem like it lasts a long time because you're trying to get to Christmas, you're trying to get to the presents. But, but for an adult, oftentimes it feels like it just goes way too fast for me. Um, and I'm always left at the end of December wondering like, man, I wish I had like savored it more. I wish I had sat in it more and I wish I had just contemplated what it was all about more. And honestly, that's, that's part of why I worship. That's part of actually why I'm a Christian still, um, is because worship is, for, for me, a, a moment in which I can sit in, in the delight of God. It is where I feel His delight most. And I know that that may not be everybody's experience when you come to a worship service. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot going on in your life. But that's always what I'm hoping to experience with you together. Simply that God enjoys you. And through his enjoyment of you and your belief in that, you can enjoy him. And that's how human beings sync up to what they were made to be and do. And so that's what I, that's what I really do think Christmas is about. That God enjoys you and he wants you to enjoy him. And that's exactly uh, what John is telling us. The Gospel of John now, he uses images like light and the Word and knowledge and all sorts of things, but uh, we'll talk about that this morning. So this is God's Word to you this morning. It's from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him... Was not anything made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all that might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, or his own people, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's our practice here to spend a few moments in silence. I'm actually going to direct us to do that after the sermon for a little bit longer amount of time than usual this Sunday. And so pray with me. We're simply meditating on the fact that God enjoys you right now. So let's pray. Father, we do ask that you would come um, by your spirit and be like the light that dawns a new day uh, each morning that we wake up. And Lord, as, 
uh, each of us in here has all sorts of things going on in our minds, in our hearts, and in our bodies. Uh, we do ask that you would remind us that you are the center of our very existence. It says uh, a couple of times in our passage that everything was made through you. And so in some sense, Lord, uh, like a magnet, you are uniting everything back to uh, you, the source, um, the giver of life, that light that lights up all of humankind. And so, Lord, I, I do ask that for just a, a moment, a brief moment, that we would practice our eternal reality and that you would teach us what it means that the Word became flesh. In Christ's name, amen. Um, so Christmas uh, is really the teaching of Christianity. It's a teaching that God is embodied and that he can be desired and that he brings balance back into the world, specifically the balance of grace and truth. And so those would be our three points that God is embodied, meaning he came into this world, this physical world with a body like yours. He says that uh, we can receive him or desire him. And you'll notice this in Chris, and if you pay attention to the Christmas uh, hymns that we sing, it talks about the, the desire of the nations. It says, dear desire of the nations, joy for every longing heart, says one hymn. Uh, o Come, O Come, Emmanuel talks about that desire of the nations, and we'll get into what that means. But that word received in our passage has more of the connotation of wanting or desiring. And then God also brings, through Christ, balance into the world of this mixture of grace and truth. Okay. Now, all of the gospel writers pick up on this theme um, of the advent of God's arrival into the world through Jesus Christ as being like light, like light coming into the world or, or the dawn of a new day and that the darkness is, is ending. Gwendolyn Brooks, a poet, she says um, in, in a song, e- even if you're not ready for the day, it will not always be night. And uh, George Harrison, after a long hard spell with the Beatles, wrote, here comes the sun. It's all right. Um, That's what all of the gospel writers, but specifically John, that's what John the gospel writer is evoking in his listeners. And that's what he wants to evoke in the human heart, that there is darkness in your life, certainly in my life, in the world, but that's not the truest reality of you. That's not the truest reality of others, and that's not the truest reality of the whole world. The, the truest, truest true is that the light will win. And everything, you know, in our lives kind of pushes against that. Um, and so that's what John is, is trying to evoke. And the first thing he says is that Jesus um, is, is God embodied. And so Christmas is about God being embodied. Now, there's all these words that John uses, like logos and phos, which means light, or gnosis, which means knowledge. And what he's doing right there, what the gospel writer John is doing, is that he's using the language of his culture that isn't Christian to express the gospel. I've actually seen this with my very own eyes, uh, these words that John's using, sort of inscripted on pagan statues, phos, light, life, zoe, 
And what John is doing is in the midst of a very pagan culture that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, he's saying that there's stuff here, even within the pagan culture, that is expressing who God is. So he uses the language of his culture. He isn't threatened by his culture. He uses the language of his culture. And what he does with the gospel is that he both affirms and critiques his own culture. That there's endemic stuff within creation that you don't just do away with. And this is John, what he's doing is, is he's hearkening back to the very beginning of creation. You know, the, the, whole, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the chaos at the beginning. And he doesn't do away with it. What he does is that God likes to take that chaos and bring order into the midst of it. That's what he's doing in your life. He doesn't want to just wipe it away. He, he wants to make something from it. That's the story of Christmas. That's why Jesus came into the world. Now, I have a friend of mine who said that when he was first dating his now wife, when they were uh, going out on one of their very first dates, uh, his basement flooded. And he had to call her up and said, hey, I have sewage water in my basement. I know what that's like, by the way. Some of us in this room know what that's like. But he, he's like, I, I, cannot, I can't make it to the date tonight. I'm sorry. And then he said a, a few minutes later, she knocked on his door with a bucket and gloves. And uh, he said, you know, as she was helping me clue, clean up the sewage water in my basement, I kept muttering to myself, like, I, I, w- I want to marry her. Um, this is who I want to be with. And uh, that's, that's because, you know, Let's, let's say you first fall in love with somebody, and you say it. You say, I love you. And you certainly mean it, and, and you feel it, but it's not until that love gets expressed and embodied in the dark that you know it on a deeper level. That in some sense, it becomes more intimate. That's what John is saying God is like. That he, he does want, he wants your mind. He wants you to worship him in the understanding of truth. He wants your, your cognitive confession of belief. But y'all, this, and this is where we got to get used to this. Um, he wants to live in your home. You know, he wants to know how much you eat and how much you drink. And if you snore, he wants to know your favorite candy. He wants to know how often you shower. What verse 14 is saying is that if you pitched a tent and you went camping, like he wants to be inside the tent. He wants to know how you smell. Are you comfortable with that? Of of course, none of us are like initially comfortable with that. And yet there's a part of us that wants it. There's a part of us that wants to be fully known and loved, which we'll talk about as we go through this morning. But there always is, with the gospel, there's this initial hesitation of like, I don't know if I want God that close. And that is the will of the flesh and the blood and the will of humankind that is passing away. And what God wants you to do is let me in to the basement. So what do you do if you're not ready or willing to let someone in to the sewagey basement of your life? Uh, verse 10 and 12. By the way, I meant to say this earlier. We're going to only really be focusing on verse 1 and then 10 through 14. But look at verses 10 
through 12 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now that word receive has the connotation of desire or wanting. And what this verse is saying is that, and yeah, this is, this is kind of where I want to really drill down. What this verse is saying is that a, a person can actually desire God. And the way you do that in the text is that you believe in his name and that you begin to believe that you have a right to be in the family of God. That you have a right to be a child of God by believing in the name of Jesus. So, for instance, if you are sad, if you are dejected, if you feel like the darkness is winning, I, want, I really do want you to consider the root of your sadness. I want you to go down into the basement of that root. And my experience, and as I listen to you all, your experience, I think what the scriptures teach is that the darkest and hardest part of our lives is when someone has not received us or desired us or wanted, or wanted us or when we've been unable to desire or receive another. That is the deeper pain in life beyond the circumstances that cause us suffering and physical pain is to fail to be received or desired when in the presence of another. I'm sure you guys have probably seen these terrible, terrible YouTube videos where a baby is sitting with her mother and the mother, it's a psychological video, the mother's face goes expressionless in the presence of the baby and what that does to a little baby. If you don't give it any sort of response or recognition that you're like paying attention, the baby goes crazy. It goes crazy. And that's the hardest thing, to be, to be in the presence of another person with nothing, nothing in response. And that's because you were meant to be received. You were meant to be desired. And that's what Jesus has come to bring. In an embodied way, which you can experience through relationships, but oftentimes through our relationships, what do we experience? The opposite. And so that's the test. Um, Lauren Honeywell put me onto this documentary about Tyler Perry, and uh, he came up in New Orleans. His mother, uh, named Maxine, um, stayed in the marriage with uh, his father. His father was very abusive to him for many, many years, and he, could, he was confounded why his mother, Maxine, would stay. And over the years, as he got older, what he began to realize was the resilience and the, and the hope of his mother. And at the end of the movie, the person behind the camera, he's like, hey, I want you to, to end this documentary. I want you to say your name and then tell us who you are. Uh, how would you identify yourself? And he, he sat there for a long time and he said, I'm, I'm Tyler Perry. I'm Maxine's baby. As a 45-year-old man. Now, 
Why would he identify himself that way? It's because through her, he began to believe that he had dignity. That, you know, uh, human rights is a Christmas ethic. That you were meant just by your image that you are, uh, you, you have a right to be desired, to be honored, to be respected. And he began to believe through his mom that he was actually a, a child of God. That she was reflecting Jesus to him by receiving her love. Now when that happens, when that happens in a human being, we become like the moon. You know, the moon uh, gets its reflection from the sun. And so we reflect the glory of the light of the sun as human beings. And when, when we uh, allow ourselves to receive God's goodness, we actually can give that goodness to others. To believe in Jesus' name means that there was a human being who always desired, always reflected God, and always moved towards others. And even when his own people would not receive him, he was constantly kind. He was constantly moving and pursuing in his steadfast love. And what he's doing right now, always in Scripture, always at this table, always in the life of this community, is that he's sitting across the table from you, and what he's doing is that he's offering his face to receive your face, to bless you. And he's saying, I am willing. Are you? He's showing up at your basement with a bucket and gloves, with a big smile on his face. And the question for us is, will you let him in so that he can help you? That's what it means to receive and desire him. And it's tricky uh, because to desire him, you must first know that he desires you. If you don't, you can't give that to others. Uh, Marina Abramovich, I think I said that right. She's an artist. She um, sits across a table from people. In sil- this is her art. Uh, she sits across the table from people and just takes them in just stares at them. And uh, oftentimes people can't sit in the midst of her gaze because it's too overwhelming. And uh, oftentimes, you know, I've, I really have, I've experienced this, talked to many of you. We often think, you know, if I was actually a Christian, I'd be less selfish. I'd have more emotions towards God that weren't so negative. I'd be more patient. <laughs> I'd actually want to do the things of God, like, you know, spiritual disciplines. Um, But when we go down that route of thinking, we forget what Christmas is about. This is why Jesus comes, y'all. He knows. He knows we don't, like, want him in. He knows what's in our hearts. And the point of our basement isn't the sewage. It's that God has showed up, and he wants to be in it with you. And like, that's it. Like the mess will get cleaned up. But the point is the connection with God, the union with God. 
of course, guys, of course we don't feel properly towards God. Of course we don't feel properly towards one another. But that's why Jesus came. We will eventually in heaven. And God gives us these, two, these twofold weapons to fight against darkness here on this earth that bring balance back into our lives and balance back into the world. But he says, look, I, what I'm full of is grace and truth. I'm full of the grace that you need and the truth that you need. And through, through that, we really do have this sort of uh, twin, twin-like uh, sort of weapon to, to fight against the things that plague us in our minds and our bodies and hearts. And this is what it says in verse 14. i read it again. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The truth is that we are so broken that God had to leave His perfect environment to get into our mess. And the grace is is that he was pleased to do it. Like he wanted to embody himself with us, even though it would contaminate him. If you are always in a perpetual state of guilt, like if you are always feeling like you're not quite doing enough, like you don't quite have it together, um, What's happening is that the gospel has slipped through your grasp. And grace says to you, look, you are loved. You can move forward. And other times we need folks to come alongside and say, um, look, I love you, but, but you, must, you must stop. And that's where truth comes in. You need this bifold weaponry of grace and truth in your own life and in the lives of other people to say, look, God still loves you, but yeah, this isn't who you are. And this is what Jesus Christ is full of because he was constantly receiving the kindness and the pleasing gaze of God while also obeying. And so, look, when, when things in our life are exposed, um, it, is, it is very, very important to not run away from God in that moment. And the way that you know you're not running away from God is when you stay in the midst of His images. And the reason why is not to shame God's not trying to shame you. What he wants to show you is how much he deeply cares about you and loves you. And I know that we don't think it's there when our sewage is exposed because it's kind of stinky, right? You know, um, but, but what he wants to, to show you is like, that is where I want to pour my love out onto you. That's where you'll get a taste of my glory. That's where you'll be able to love others. And so... When uh, Jesus comes into your life, the darkest part, the deepest part, the hardest part actually can become the most joyful part of your faith, of your life, of the thing that you want to share. So I'll end here because Jesus, in just a few short chapters, he's going to interact with two different people. One's a religious male leader named Nicodemus who only comes to him at night. 
And he doesn't want to be known because Jesus is like dangerous. And then he meets the next chapter. He meets a woman at this well in the height of the day, noon. And what he does with this woman is the perfect display of what it means to give somebody grace and truth. And he embodies his presence to her. And this is what happens to her. She goes back into the community that shamed her. And she says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) That you would think that if she was exposed, that she would want to go hide, but she doesn't. And that that can be your story too. That when the things in your life that are are hidden and dark um, get exposed, you know, God really is like, I'm I'm making so much beauty out of that chaos, if you will just let me. If you'll just sit across the table from me, if you just let me down in your basement. And so here's here's the thing I I would like us to practice. Um, Again, like I said at the beginning of the service, uh, I do want to do something different this December in my own personal life, which is I just want, I, I want the days to, to last just a little bit longer. And I have found that the, the way to, to make a day last longer is if I remember that God enjoys me. And so, I want to do that with you right now. I want to sit in silence for 30 seconds because I know it's hard. Um, But I don't want it to end here. I want you to go throughout this week and for maybe more than five minutes a day. This is just it. Just remember that God really likes to be with you. That he really likes to dwell with you. That the logos, the whole point of creation wants to be near you, and he's not expecting anything from you. He's just happy to be near you. That's it. So we're going to sit in silence, and we're going to meditate on that for a little bit, and then I'll lead us in prayer. Father, to be known and turned away from is the worst. Uh, But to be fully known and loved and enjoyed in that same moment is the best. And so, Father, that's what you're about. That's what Jesus Christ came into this world to give us. And uh, I do ask that as we move into the confession of sin, that this would not be like a drag, that this wouldn't be something that we have to do, but it's a joy. Lord, it is such a joy to repent because we get to, we get to turn towards the light. We get to come in and be exposed. We get to let you into our basement. And uh, yeah, it's messy, but that's not the point. The point is that we're with one another. And so, Lord, would you be with us as we um, get the freedom to be honest 
uh, and that you would bring us back into your presence at the table and restore us, Lord, because you're so full of grace and truth. And so would you do that now? In Christ's name, amen.